Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Oh my gosh, hello. Welcome to Telling Everybody Everything, April 9th. Prince Philip was just announced to have sadly passed away this morning. RIP, hashtag gone too soon. It's a sad time for um, the queen, I think. That was her husband for a super lengthy period of her life. What, 73 years they were married? So it was always sad, but also what a triumph to live to be nearly 100 and then look around at this year and go, peace, see ya. DMX is out, I'm out. So mainly, I just I just want to know if I'm still doing Have I Got News for You next week. What is the protocol when an old man passes into the next phase of his, you know, journey through wherever? Because by the way, I don't believe you die when you die. Whoa. Did you guys know that about me? I love this analogy where there are twins in a womb. I don't know if you've seen this. It's like a meme with silhouettes of a pregnant woman and then two babies in the womb. And the babies are nearly full term. I don't know. They look big to me. I am no obstetrician, but they look like they're ready to come out. And the one twin says to the other unborn twin, oh my gosh, you know, we're going to have to die soon. We're going to leave mother and we can't live in the world outside of mother. So this is it for us. And the other twin is like, I don't know. I feel like something might be on the outside of mother. And the other one's like, you are a fucking idiot. There's no way. Like, we need this placenta to live. We need this water to swim in. You know, we don't have any money. Or, you know, I don't know. I'm like probably extrapolating on the original meme. But I love it. Because, of course, a sensible baby would think that you cannot live in a world outside your environment, which you have always known. You rely so much on your mother's immune system and bloodstream to keep you alive. And the other baby is like a dreamer. And the other baby's like, I don't know, there might be something outside this vag. And then, of course, this is the world. And it's this big world that you're born in and your body, you know, adapts and breathes air for the first time and has a digestive system and all these things. I fucking love that analogy. So I think death is the same. I think some of us are little babies who go, no, there's nothing. And other parts of the population are like, I don't know. I wouldn't be so sure. All I know for definitely sure is that we are not really smart enough to conceptualize 
all the possibilities of, you know, the journey of our soul. And I also know a lot of people who, well, I'm making them sound like suspects now. I know people who've been around a lot of dead people. And they say that they're not, they don't even look the same. And that their soul kind of goes somewhere. And that they have this impulse every time they're in a room with a deceased person to open the window. So, I mean, make of that what you will. I just had a nap at the wrong time of day. What am I even doing? I was doing press for All the Glitters, which is an incredible new competition show slash talent search format from BBC Two. The, we're looking for the best jewelers in Britain. And this is not PR now. I've done the PR in the morning, but I'm just telling you, it was such a fun show to work on. And I make a lot of jokes in it. So I'm probably going to have a lot of angry, real muggle viewers, you know, viewers that are like, I am tuning in for jewelry and nothing else. And there better not be any jokes. And then if I make jokes, you know, they're going to be like, well, I'm going to call Ofcom on the telephone or write an actual letter. Like these are the kind of people you're dealing with sometimes. So I would appreciate it if people who like jokes watch it because it's fun, fun, fun. It's fun. And the jewelers are great. They were so good to get to know. I woke up really early to do press for that. And I was out really late last night filming. And so I had a nap in the middle of the day. Not smart when you have to do the Telling Everybody Everything podcast because I'm fired up about a list of things this week. Uh, number one, oh, this excited me so much. Nick Loeb, I think that's his name. Yeah, I'm not going to say his name again. In the same way that if there's a crime, I don't like to mention the perpetrators. I feel like this guy rubs me the wrong way. I don't exactly want to give him a ton of credit or discuss him very much. But he dated Sofia Vergara the very talented actress. She's in a number of films, most notably perhaps to most people. She is in Modern Family. She's the, uh, where is she? Some kind of Latina, sexy young wife of Ted Bundy. Not Ted Bundy, Al Bundy's character in Modern Family. You know, Sofia Vergara, like the highest paid actress in television. Anyway, She was dating this guy from 2010 to 2014, and during that time, they froze embryos. Now, we spoke about babies a while ago. If you do not know the science, embryos are what is created when an egg meets the sperm, and then it's a successful union, and it grows into the beginning genetic blueprint of what will hopefully make a baby. It doesn't always make a baby, can possibly make a baby. It is the first stage of conception, right? So, well, if you want to get really technical, there's like an Aussieite or something before that. I don't know all the words. They made embryos. They got two successful embryos, two female embryos between like, it was like in 2013. And when you do this, you sign consents and you can say, if my partner dies, um, I want to use the embryos and your partner will have to sign consent to be like, yes, if I die, my partner can have my remaining embryos or we want them donated or we want them destroyed Or I just don't give any consent if I'm not around. I don't want anything to happen to these embryos. So Sofia Vergara and her then boyfriend were the dual owners of these embryos. And they did not sign any consent for the embryos to have, you know, a a life without them. If one of them dies, that's it. So then they break up. (laughs) 
I, my personal opinion that does not reflect the opinion of my employers uh, necessarily is that this guy turned out to be kind of nuts, um, as evidenced by his behavior after their split. So they split. Sophia now has to deal with him since 2015, suing her to try to get custody of these embryos. His plan is to put these embryos into a surrogate. So her DNA, you know, like her potential future child, he wants to own these outright. He doesn't want them destroyed. He wants to bring them into the world, put them in a surrogate and have these children come to life. She says, no, I do not want this. Like, Can you imagine just my greatest nightmare is like an enemy ex-boyfriend thinking that he can legislate a piece of me, own like my future potential children, put them in a surrogate and raise them by himself after I have said no. He thinks it's not for her to consent to this. It's for the courts to consent to this. So he gives the embryos names. He names them Emma and Isabella just to, you know, really tug at the heartstrings. And he's like, Emma and Isabella are plaintiffs in this case. Yeah. Two embryos, which in California are considered property. He's like, these are plaintiffs and they don't want their mother to, you know, destroy them. They want to be born to me only as a father. California is like, you are off your tits. Absolutely not. So he appeals and California is like, still no. And he appeals. And meanwhile, can you imagine what this woman is going through? Can you imagine feeling the weight on your shoulders of your crazy ex trying to make these babies a thing? So then he finds a court in Louisiana because Louisiana is more, you know, pro-life and religious. And he's like, I think I can win in Louisiana. And even the courts were like, you're fiddling with the justice system by, you know, you don't live here. You don't have any business here. You don't go to any church here. Like, why are you in Louisiana trying to win this case? So he tries and tries and tries and tries. And finally, uh, last month, 2021, he lost his final appeal. So this woman who has had to deal with her ex trying to make her embryos, his own babies without her consent, She's finally free. She's been married, by the way, to someone else for six years, but she's had this hanging over her head and it has been making me mad since 2015. So I can't imagine how she feels. <laughs> I have been fucking livid about this. It has nothing to do with me. I think it is so disgusting and just such a demonstration of who he is that he would try to push for this. And a man, you know, we know that a man with no other underlying fertility issues can just have more kids at any time. He's 45. He could have spent this time uh, finding a donor, you know, a consenting egg donor to give him embryos if that's what he wanted. He could be in a new relationship. He could be focusing on, oh, you know, this woman that I used to date and now have traumatized, she does not give her consent for me to make her DNA into my children. So like, I'm going to leave it. No, no, he doesn't do that. He moves heaven and earth to try to win, spends Lord knows how much money. So I looked into him because I was like, what is up with this guy? Uh-huh. He's a billionaire. Well, he, his family are billionaires. He's a descendant of like Lehman Brothers and all these other things in a grocery store chain. And then he also has a company that makes like crispy onions that Americans shake onto salad, you know, like whatever the citric acid crunchy MSG. I don't know what it's made of, 
But I mean, this crispy onion of a man probably gets his way a lot of the time and is from a powerful family. And and then I thought, well, what, where's this pain coming from? What is he doing? Where, why would he want to dig his heels in this deep and traumatize this woman for this long over some embryos and then make the embryos plaintiffs against their like potential future mother? It's just so wild. And I found some sad news actually. So his parents divorced when he was a year old and then he was raised by his father in New York City. So, I mean, he seemed to be, from what I read, estranged from his mom a little bit. And then she got a new husband and his mother killed her new husband and then took her own life, which is rare. So I can see how, I don't know, he might have some residual mommy stuff, but damn. It's a wonderful day, though, because Sofia Vergara is free and that's all that matters to me. And now hopefully this man can move on with his life, wrap it up and like go heal and have a family with someone who's consenting to it. I don't know. In other news, my sister has told me that my mom got the COVID vaccine. And I want to hear about that um, because I don't really know anyone personally who's had the vaccine. And my mom, like fair play, she's in her, I don't know, let's call it late 50s. She wanted to get the vaccine, so she got it. And I want to see that's something that she's willing to discuss with the Telling Everybody Everything community. Okay, you didn't accidentally call me? No, I called you very... I'm well. How are you? I'm well. I'm so glad you're well. I'm always well, but I called you very much on purpose because I heard that you are not well, and I wanted to know if you would discuss your experiences with the COVID vaccine with the Telling Everybody Everything community tonight. Oh, yeah, sure. So Carrie said you got the vaccine. I got the AstraZeneca vaccine. That's the one we like in England, I think, because it's from Oxford and we, we like, we appreciate poshness. Well, it is a UK company, but it's also the one that was uh, warned to carry a risk of blood clots. Right, but a much lower risk of blood clots than, like, the birth control pill and many other things. Exactly, but usually only women of childbearing age take the birth control pill, and they don't matter as much as the general population overall. True, true. (laughs) Anyway, but I felt like absolute garbage. Like, I couldn't believe it. It was um, a good 24 hours of chills and body aches and mild nausea but it was severe like I couldn't sleep at all the night that I got it it was severe I was really surprised that is wild I get flu vaccines I've been do you sure I do I've been hepatitis A vaccinated like I I'm in favor of vaccinations so in general just any vaccination (laughs) well no I mean, vaccinations that I... Like, I, I started getting the Hep A to go to Mexico, right? Oh, uh, yeah. Um, but the other thing is, I've read up on this MNRA technology, and I it's been in the works for 10 years. This is really not brand new. Yeah. And the success rate is very high, and I thought, all oh, right. Even if AstraZeneca is slightly lower than Pfizer, I don't care. It's still better than nothing. You're really so rock was, and roll. 
because I love that sentence yeah. that you're like, I've read about the science and I'm like, all right. <laughs> but I mean, I can just picture you I, at home reading about science and your reaction is all right. <laughs> yeah, it is. Well, I love, I love reading about that stuff. What I say? All um, right. Like I love that you turn into Matthew McConaughey. Oh, <laughs> all right, all right, giggity, giggity. Yeah, <laughs> okay. Um, but anyway, I was, I went into it with absolutely zero trepidation. Yeah. And so I was quite shocked to, to actually have any adverse side effects. However, in the interest of science, I reported it to the, the AstraZeneca website. Not that they'll necessarily pay any attention to that, <laughs> but I felt compelled to report it. Yeah. And, and say, I mean, it wasn't life-threatening, but it was really uncomfortable and worse than I expected. I took Tylenol, and um, I took, I even took some ibuprofen. I mean, I rarely take anything, so it was bad enough that I was like, oh, God. Except vaccines. <laughs> well, I do take vaccines. Yeah, I, I rarely take anything. Hep A, B, C, D, E, take all yeah. of them. Flu vaccine, whooping cough. I have the I have the Shingrix uh, pre- uh, prescription, just waiting for me to get get on board with that. But God. now I also know that the probability of me getting shing- shingles is extremely low, given that I have a very strong, seem to have a very strong immune system. I very rarely get sick, so I was shocked overall to have a reaction. Okay, and then you just feel better now, and that's that? Yeah, I mean, the worst of it was about 24 hours. I mean, it abated near the end of the 24 hours. The day after that, I felt kind of stomach pain and nausea, but mild. And I'm not sure if that wasn't because I was taking Tylenol and then ibuprofen, because ibuprofen will bother my stomach. (laughs) Okay. I mean, I wonder if it's because you're small. Like, do they give everyone the same amount, whether they're, like, really big do they care how well, big you they, are? No, they do give the same amount. They That's just give you the, uh, and I looked it up, I think it was 0.5 milliliters or something like that. Because when I was filling out the form on the AstraZeneca website to report <laughs> my side effects, yeah. because these side effects are actually uh, classified as quite common, which is more than one out of 10. It was pretty bad for me. Wow. And my arm is a little sore, but I don't care about that. You got another one. Anyway, I, I can't really nutshell it because I don't remember things very well. But Well, not anymore. It's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I never did. I haven't remembered anything well since you were born, let's be honest. Oh, <laughs> so. Remember when I had that, whatever the vaccine is when you're five, and I moved my arm and then it scratched my arm because I like, jerked my arm away and then they did it again and then I was really sick yes you actually were usually somewhat uh sensitive to vaccines in my opinion like you did always have a slight fever and discomfort after a vaccination when you were little see I don't know if I should get it because of lupus well I mean they won't make lupus people get it right now yet but like at some point I guess they will and then I just have to what, book a day off work to be really sick? Well, I I mean, I don't know. I think the whole idea of herd immunity is people who have 
immune issues don't have to get it or people who are medically fragile don't have to get it because the rest of us have gotten it. But now what happens? Like now you just don't worry about getting COVID and you get to live your life. Yeah, I do have to get a second dose, but it's fine. Oh my Um, God, just don't go back for that one. No, I am going to get the second dose because I want to know if the same thing happens. Carrie told me that she knew people who got vaccinated and the second time it was worse. Okay. So I don't know. I'm very interested now in the result. Okay. So as like a casualty of science, you just... Well, and I will. Well, it wasn't life-threatening, so... And you know what? Even if something is... Like, even the blood clot risk, I'm like, oh, as if I'm going to get a blood clot. And even if I did, all my children are grown. It's okay if I go. I mean, this like, is not the attitude. It's not, <laughs> not going to sell the vaccines, not, people. No, 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 but I mean, it's, the risk is minimal. I was on the pill. I've had periods of time in my life where I smoked. I yeah. took a lot bigger risks than this vaccine. But then why don't you just risk being, like, young and healthy and getting COVID then for, for like, curiosity? Why don't you be like, I wonder what COVID's like. I'm going to go, you know, lick some discarded masks in the supermarket. Well, I think the herd immunity to protect people who are vulnerable is really the goal with vaccinations. Mm -hmm. Like, I didn't want you to get polio or smallpox or German measles. But this is not polio or smallpox or German measles at all. Well, I'm glad you feel better now. Yeah, thanks. I'm glad you're well. I'm always well. And um, you obviously don't look like a walrus. (laughs) Holy shit. (laughs) Well, I don't know. I think that that interview, the walrus interview, I had done press all day and the woman had said to me, Oh, you're always so glam. Like, do you glam up in lockdown? Because all that glitters is really glam, you know, jewelry. And then I said, no. I I must have said lockdown has turned me into a walrus. I must have said that at some point. But I I meant, I didn't mean that I look like a walrus. I meant that I have, like, similar interests to a walrus. Like, I just eat a lot of fish, lay around, sun myself. I know, but like that was probably what I said. It's just funny that they made it the headline, like Catherine Ryan. And it seems like one of those news of the world's headlines, like when an alien is found in Michael Jackson's like basement. They're like, it has turned me into a walrus. You, you should photoshop a picture of yourself with us. I know. Without context, just a headline. Catherine Ryan, lockdown has turned me into a walrus. What? I know. Rolling in the dirt like Pasco. Uh, yeah, with, with your flippers splayed out. Oh, God. Well, it's sunny here today. I could probably pull off a walrus look. Look at, listen, the walrus life is a good life. I wasn't complaining. <laughs> it was touch and go sea life for a while there, but it, I didn't mean it in like a body shaming way. I just meant like. I kind of, like, lumber around. You know how walruses move? I was kind of moving like that a bit. I do. Yeah. I've seen huge 
huge walruses live <laughs> on a beach in California. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's a beautiful thing. Okay, well, I'll call you back later. I just have to finish this now, but I really was, I didn't even know you had the vaccine. Carrie had to tell me, so I wanted to get to the bottom of what happened. Yep, that's what happened. Are you glad okay. you got it? Would you recommend people get it? Well, I am a proponent of vaccinations in general, so I recommend that people get it for the herd immunity to protect the vulnerable people who should not or cannot get it. So, yes. Okay. And I recommend whatever the views are of my current employer, Amazon. (laughs) Okay. Okay. I'll talk to you soon. Love you. Love you too. Bye. Bye. There you go. That shit was not meant to influence you in any direction. I'm just finding out from my mom how it went. You can hear how she feels about it. And anytime I ask questions, people get angry. They're like, are you anti-vax? No, I'm not. I'm not. I just have a problem with the types of people who are giving me all the information are my exact enemies who have lied to me a thousand times before. And to me, it just makes sense to question liars like you let's say you had a boyfriend who is sneaking off and seeing sex workers behind your back all the time and giving your money to places that he wasn't supposed to and doing some of the weird stuff that some of our MPs have done and then all of a sudden he was like listen I have to tell you about something really important you'd be like "Mm, why are you telling it to me even if it's right you know like if okay if my toilet started talking And my toilet was like telling me all this wisdom, even if everything my toilet was saying was true and right and smart, I would kind of be like, yeah, but it's coming from the toilet. And that's sort of how I feel whenever Matt Hancock speaks. So all I'm doing is being curious. All right. I don't have any fucking opinions here or there. I just listening. I'll do whatever you say. I will do whatever people say I need to do. I will do it. Oh, guess what? It's time to take a little break and hear some enticing words from our sponsors. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Further to the walrus chat from the phone call with my mom, if you don't know what that was about, it was just, I mean, you can piece it together. It was an interview where I said I'd gone full walrus. You can see that on my Instagram. 
brings me, though, to the next subject, which was this leaked photo of Khloe Kardashian. Maybe you don't care about the Kardashians. Maybe you're one of the people who say, Catherine, why is the BBC running stories about Kim Kardashian becoming a billionaire? That's right. She's a billionaire now. And Khloe Kardashian having a leaked, unphotoshopped picture when they could be covering the riots in Northern Ireland and all the political strife over there. I agree. And I love Ireland. I care about Ireland. I think Brexit especially has impacted them in unfair ways. But I feel like talking about Chloe today. What happened was her grandmother, MJ, we all know MJ if we watch the show, took an innocent snap of Chloe in a bikini by the pool having a conversation. And then apparently an assistant posted it without permission. And then Chloe's legal team and PR people scrambled to issue a copyright notice and take it down. This has happened before. I think there were pictures of Beyonce a few years ago that were unflattering and her team wanted to remove them. I believe that an artist or a private individual or any person has the right to own their image. In this case, MJ, the grandma, owns the photograph because she is the one who took it. And she has a right to have it pulled down if uh, her granddaughter doesn't want it online. Fair. There is furor about this. Pierce Morgan has weighed in. You know, he's like, wait a minute, I can write about a woman's body and a woman's feelings and how I view it? Great. He's in there like he was with Meghan Markle in Little Mix. He's like, can't wait to write about, you know, the Kardashians and how evil they are for photoshopping themselves. It's a very complex issue. If you're not sure which Kardashian is which, Chloe is the one that people have bullied for years. She's the fat sister. She's the ugly sister. O.J. Simpson is her natural father. She can't possibly have the same father as the other girls because she looks different. Having been, this is beside the point, by the way, having been in a room with some Kardashians, Chloe is regular height. And so since the beginning of time, people are like, she's huge. There are Khloe Kardashian drag shows that she's been invited to. She tries to make a joke out of it, but I think it hurts her feelings. She's not huge. She's a lovely girl, even if she was big, like whatever. But under the scrutiny of the media in a world that expects women to take up very little space, uh, figuratively and literally, her feelings have been hurt. So she's extra sensitive maybe about photos. I use filters sometimes, sometimes I don't. I facetune sometimes, sometimes I don't. And I think that all of us have the choice to use those features and also recognize those features when we see them. Sure, Kardashians and their surgically enhanced slash professionally photoshopped videos and bodies uh, are part of a huge movement online that is impacting potentially younger people who can't tell the difference between what's real and what's not. Uh, The shakes that make you shit your pants are probably pretty bad to advertise. Young girls are not sure what they're actually meant to look like in the mirror anymore because these filters distort people's sense of reality. You can talk about that all day. But this picture, and it's easy to find if you want to find it. I found it. Bottom line, she looks lovely. She looks lovely. It's not like, oh, it's a grotesque, unphotoshopped. My takeaway from seeing it is they pretty much on their Instagram look like a magazine heightened version, maybe, of what they actually look like in real life. And 
everything you put on Instagram is published. So why wouldn't you treat it like a magazine and touch it up and make it look, you know, sparkly if you want or change the lighting if you want or whatever, whatever. I feel like we just need to be transparent about what's real and what's not. Post the photos when you look super, super glam and then post the photos where you are in lockdown feeling like a walrus. The reality is anything you do to yourself, surgically, you know, fillers, Botox, this and that, filters, you don't actually look that different. I remember once when I was a teenager, young teenager, probably 14, we were going somewhere to hang out with these boys we always hung out with but it was just they were neighbors of my friend Katie and we were going in the middle of the day or something and I hadn't brought my makeup for the sleepover and I was like I I can't see them I don't have any makeup on and my friend Kristen said to me don't take this the wrong way but you look the same (laughs) and I, I was like I do not I spent all this time putting makeup on when I put makeup on and I don't have any of it on now so I must look drastically different she was like no you can still see what you look like you look the same. I'm sure that if you've not seen the Chloe photo in question, you've read about it. You've come across this story somewhere because it was a huge story for a couple days. And it's so funny that if she had just left it, people might have been like, oh, look, she posted a natural photo next to these other not so natural heightened photos. Cool. Tomorrow she'll probably post a heightened, you know, sparkly photo. But taking it down created this Streisand effect, which I love. If you don't know what a Streisand effect is, it's when this property photographer in Malibu, I think, was taking aerial photos and included Barbara Streisand's mansion and published these photos. And she freaked out. She's like, this is my house and it's a real violation of my privacy. I want these photos taken down. I do not want the location of my house. You know, fair enough. But in her efforts to take all these photos down and wipe them from the internet at the time, it made a news story and everyone went to the website and more people saw her property than ever would have had she just sort of let it go and do what you want to do you know kick up a fuss if you feel like it's needed only when you feel like it's needed reserve your energy for the big things but usually isn't that a beautiful lesson usually if you just let something go nobody notices and that's the thing with bad reviews or even someone chatting shit about you at work or at school or whatever it is, no one cares about your stuff more than you. So just leave it and people will forget. So we just have time now for a few emails. I'm going to get to the first one. It's called being a bit of a slut. Catherine, I'm a 21-year-old girl and I've slept with somewhere between 70 to 80 people. I'm always safe. I do regular STI checkups. I'm dedicated in my relationships, but when I'm single, I'm a bit of a whore. Fucking Chuck is my motto. So you're using words like slut and whore, but I'm going to assume that you are using them in an empowered way. You've decided to use them. I know a lot of people feel like these words have been weaponized to marginalize and diminish women, but in this context, no. If a guy can do it, so can I. But I've started seeing someone for a couple months who I really like, but I'm scared the conversation of body count might come up. All my guy friends said they wouldn't care, but I don't know if they're trying not to hurt my feelings. If that conversation comes up, do I lie, tell the truth, or say it's none of their business? Um, ooh, do I lie, tell the truth, or say it's none of their business? So 
right away by deduction, I would take out lie. I wouldn't lie. I think it's a lot easier to say something is none of someone's business if you don't want to discuss it than it is to lie because it genuinely isn't any of his business unless you want it to be. Um, It depends on what kind of relationship you have. You certainly don't owe anyone any level of intimacy right away. I can see that you are very comfortable with physical intimacy and sometimes you like to be physically intimate with someone right away. But this question that you're asking me about the conversation and how to navigate the conversation, you're not asking me about your sex life. You're asking me about this specific conversation. So it seems like emotional intimacy is something very different for you. Um, If that is cool and that's all squared away in your own life, then that's great. But I just want to point out that you're totally cool with physical intimacy, not so cool with emotional intimacy. And I think emotional intimacy really matters. If it's someone important to you, someone who's going to be in your life, I certainly have the type of relationship where my husband and I tell each other everything, every single thing all the time. There's nothing off limits. And I think it would be out of character for our relationship if he said to me that something was none of my business. But you can only decide those boundaries for yourself. I think if it's something you're genuinely happy to do in your life and you're not ashamed, then you can only achieve emotional intimacy with the right person if you're totally truthful with them. Uh, And they shouldn't judge you if they're the right person for you. But in the beginning, maybe just say it's none of their business until you trust them enough. Sexy, sexy emails today. This one's about sex too. Catherine, am I a pest? I'm a young woman. I live with my young boyfriend. We've been together for a year and a half. All is peachy except when it comes to sex. We do it one to three times a week, but pre-lockdown, it would have been pretty much every day. Hang on a sec. Lockdown is making you have sex less? Do you have a child at home? What? You're young, very like 20s, and you were having sex more pre-lockdown. Was your job like on a some type of sex work that you were having? I don't know anyone in the history of the world who's having sex less now that they don't have to go anywhere, but okay. I get that the longer you're with someone, the sexual frequency is likely to slow down, but we have a slightly ugly dynamic going whereby every time he says he doesn't want to, I take it as a rejection. Unfortunately, I do tend to be very body conscious in the negative sense, and I take that as an indication that he doesn't find me physically attractive. He does try to say at the time that it's not because of that, it's because he's tired or he wants to do something else, etc. And while I can take that in on one level, I do struggle to believe it. I'm at a stage now where because I'm so sensitive and hurt by often he says no or doesn't want to, I'm just wondering whether I should stop approaching him and stop trying to pull my own boyfriend. Do you have any advice on what I should do? Do I just need to grow a thicker skin and get over being so sensitive? If so, how should I do this? Or do I need to have a reality check and accept that my sex drive is higher than my boyfriend's? Oh, well, I think that now that you've attached all this extra stuff to it, uh, he might be spooked, actually. He might be like, oh, God, you know, there's there's a lot of pressure now because he knows 
that you take it as a rejection. It doesn't mean it's bad that he knows, you know, it's good for him to know how you're feeling. But he now every time there's this big like, will you have sex? And you're coming at him maybe in like a sad puppy way, like, oh, and I don't know if I would be turned on by that. I think that adding all this emotion to it, like this fear of rejection kind of makes it dicey. But also we forget sometimes because of, you know, movies and media and how toxic masculinity teaches us to think about men that sometimes they are tired or sometimes they don't want to have sex. They don't have to be these like horrible sex fiend creatures that we see portrayed like oh guys just have they think about sex every 11 seconds and all they want to do is fuck and you know they're not like that actually this is why sometimes I, I think toxic masculinity hurts men too because it really um diminishes how we think of them and really oversimplifies their sex drive so one to three times a week is still a lot when you've been together a year and a half and you're living together and face it, like it's boring. It's not like you're going out and having drinks or having dinner or going on dates right now. Um, I, I'm not like super sexy in terms of, well, here's what you have to do. There was a whole ball slapping fiasco on this podcast. And all I can tell you from all the many letters of men who've been sick over the edge of the bed is do not slap his balls, whatever you do. There's one man in England who likes that, and that is it. Um, I think the worst thing that you could do is stop approaching him. Don't do that. Because that's not authentic to what you want. Maybe he just needs a cooling off period, or maybe he needs a chat where you go, look, I attached all this stuff to rejection, and that's about me. It's not about you. Let's just start over. If I try to, you know, initiate something with you again, and you say, no, I want you to know that I believe you, you love me, you find me attractive. I'm not going to take it as a rejection. So let's just like, I won't ask you to have sex for a week. I just want to make it very clear that I'm not attaching it to any rejection. And then we'll start again next week. And guess what? From Monday, you guys can go to the pub and like see some other humans and get some fresh air. And I'm sure you can turn this around very easily. Sounds like just a phase. Good luck. Another sex one, help, how to pop a 27-year-old man's cherry. Catherine, I love your podcast. I hope Bobby K is enjoying his man cave, hole, or trench. Yes, on Instagram, I'm documenting a hole in our garden, and there's so much interest. I mean, the same guys used to message me like, show me your tits. Those same DMs on Instagram are now like just about shovels, and they're like, please, can you ask your husband how he's doing the whole look? He's got a team. It's an intense hole. I will reveal everything soon. Back to the email. I wanted to ask your advice on something. A little background on me. I've been in some really toxic relationships previous to this. Hey, hey, ditto. And it usually becomes sexual pretty quickly. So I do feel as if my boyfriend now was brought into my life to teach me some patience and get to know someone before jumping in headfirst. But boy, oh boy, has it been testing. I met him on a dating app last August. I don't even remember swiping him, and I only said hello as the match was about to expire, and I was bored. But now we've been dating for seven months. You see, it's it's so cliche, but it's always kind of a surprise when you're not actively seeking something out that it falls into your life. It has been tough with the lockdowns, and I've only seen him for an hour walk since Christmas Eve. What? Because we're an hour's drive away from each other. Hmm. 
I really like him. And I would say everything is great. What everything? The one hour walk and the texting that you've had? He's a virgin, though, and I am somewhat of a dick connoisseur. I've since found out that he has no sexual experience with a woman or man to my knowledge. Trust me, I've asked. I'm not sure why this is. I'm trying not to be shallow and not think about whether he has some sort of deformed penis, but I suspect it has something to do with his dad having had an affair and leaving him and his mom when he was seven, and it's just been the two of them since. No, no, I'm sorry, that's not it. Like, good, good try, but loads of dads leave women and children. I mean, not to be rude, but statistically, loads of dads peace out on the family. And those guys are fucking. As we both live with our parents and this little thing called COVID-19 has kept us from going to each other's houses, it's been difficult to progress. And whilst sexting sexting would surely get you through this time, usually it's not ideal with his lack experience of knowledge. Yeah. Some people are just not sexting people either, regardless of experience, you know, like you. I mean, I wouldn't describe myself as a dick connoisseur, but I'm certainly not a virgin. And I would not sext anyone. Actually, hilariously, I don't want to hurt Violet's feelings by sharing this. I think she thinks it's funny now. Um, <laughs> she, I have, this is such a digression from the email. Please indulge me this because I need your advice. So all of my texts, I know this is wrong, all of my texts go to her iPad because we're linked on the cloud or whatever. I think my Apple ID is also on the iPad. I I think that must be it. But I don't text anything to anyone that I wouldn't say to Violet, so I don't care. Um, this is all of my texts. Every single one goes straight to her iPad. And she is nosy. And she will go through my text with my husband sometimes on purpose. And then she will take things the wrong way. This has happened three times where she's come down the stairs crying because Bobby and I just relentlessly joke with one another. And I I mean, I can't even give you an example of what we found. Oh, it's just, I needed him to come on the podcast one night. It was genuinely this podcast. And he was texting me, are you ready to do it? And I said, well, I'm just laying down with Violet. So when she falls asleep, I'll come upstairs and we'll do it. And he was like, okay, I'll be right up here ready to do it. It was something so stupid like that. And she is very sensitive. You know, it's disgusting when your guardians have sex or whatever. First of all, we don't even have sex at night. All right. We're tired by then. We have uh, different patterns that you don't need to know about now, but look, that's not what was happening. And she just like three times she's found things and got the wrong end. And it's just like, listen, Violet, I am not sexting anyone ever. Anything you find that you think is a sext, it isn't. So my question to you in the middle of your question is, what do I do? Should I stop syncing these texts with her? Because I did have to sort of discipline her for purposely snooping through my texts. I expect a level of trust that she wouldn't go back like and try to find something. Anyway. That's just something about me. Back to you. Lockdown is coming to an end, and I will be moving out of my parents' house in June. I would like to think that things would progress with this boy, but I just don't know how to go about it. We aren't in an official relationship, and I know this might sound like we're in the friend zone, but we've only been able to see each other in person for three of the seven months we've been dating, so I'm not overly phased by this. I think the next couple of months, this will happen, 
but how the actual fuck do you take a 27-year-old man's virginity when I've previously enjoyed a very healthy sex life and have never knowingly taken someone's virginity? Well, first of all, the idea of virginity is a construct, I believe. And, you know, there's this whole thing like taking his virginity. If you have sex with this man, you are not taking anything from him. And I think you guys just need more time, more face-to-face time to see, number one, if this is a real relationship and to see whether your chemistry is there physically. And in the meantime, I wouldn't be psychoanalyzing, you know, his childhood or the sexting or the experience or putting too much pressure on yourself. Um, In my experience with virgins, a.k.a. my husband, um... He had no problem uh, not being one anymore. You know, we were not 27. We were younger than that. But I mean, I I think it's cool to not have had sex when you're 27. I think that's really cool. Um, And you definitely shouldn't judge him for that. It doesn't mean he has a weird penis or dad issues or anything else like that. It's just he hasn't met the right person. And he holds that physical intimacy probably very dear for whatever reason. And maybe you are the right person. Maybe you're not. But you definitely don't know from an hour walk. So this whole lockdown has been bullshit for relationships. I know that. But just like build your friendship and see where it goes. And please take the pressure off because you don't want to poison this thing before it gets off the ground. You know what I mean? Thank you for listening. You can always write me an email to telling everybody everything at gmail.com. Please try to keep them like a decent length because there are loads of emails that I see there. I'm sorry, I want to read them, but they're pages and pages and pages long. And that's really not kind of the, the uh, rhythm of the podcast. I need to keep them a little bit short. I paraphrase sometimes, but I really want to help and I want to read your, your stuff. But like brevity helps just a bit. If I could give you that note, is that okay? Um, I hope you're all doing well and looking after each other and ready to hopefully go outside and do something fun safely soon. And I will see you next week. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.